Welcome one, welcome all, and welcome back to the 17th episode of the Transform Your Game podcast. My name is Richard, and I'll be serving as your host and moderator here today. It is my esteemed privilege to also be able to introduce my three co-hosts that are more than meets the eye. Kent? Soundwave superior, Constructicons inferior. Kai? Please be excited. And Joel? Hey there. <laughs> in the last couple of weeks, we've had some truly enjoyable opportunities to interview first the brand manager for the Transformers TCG, Drew Nolasco, and second, the man behind the curtains of the currently ongoing Deck Tech Challenge collaboration, Lee McAlpin over at Blinked Up Productions. I swore this week that we'd be back to a full cast, and we delivered. However, if you hadn't had a chance to listen to those interviews yet, I'd highly encourage you to check them out on YouTube, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you, you meet your podcast needs. Uh, if you're feeling particularly cheeky, maybe even give us a little subscriber action. Um, anyhow, it is that time of the cast wherein I sound the housekeeping alarm. Uh, and first on the dock is actually a bit of good news in the midst of what is certainly a tumultuous time for us all. And it is important right now that we stand in solidarity with those greatly suffering against injustice and help in whatever ways we're able. Uh, that being said, I think that for us, providing our listeners and fellow players a brief respite in something joyful like their hobby is just one way we hope to be able to fill that obligation right now. I did promise good news, however, so uh, that that actual news is that we got word just this week that the Hunter Burt Memorial Open in Hearst, Texas looks to be back on for the dates of August 7th through the 9th, and they're intending to host a TFTCG tournament on the Saturday within that window. Now, we know that travel in this time can be scary or difficult, um, but I think that everyone here, at least in this podcast, has plans to attend as long as it looks to be safe to do so. Right, guys? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's in Texas, so we would kind of be remiss not to go. Uh, uh, in other in-person bot-flipping action news, we've all had the cards in our hands for a week or so now, and I've been trying to play a little bit of Sealed with my brother and some people of a webcam. I know Kent and Joel have partaken uh, with each other for a few games, and I also think that Kai is participating alongside myself in the Vector Sigma Steel release journey over webcam. Um, so why do I bring this up, you ask? Well, beyond the fact of how satisfying it is to have the real cards in front of me and flip bots in front of me, this is actually our topic for the day. We're talking tips, tricks, and titans in our first installment of what is hopefully a long-running series of episodes, the Transform Your Game podcast's very own Unpacking Field. Woo. <laughs> Kai told me earlier when I suggested the name that it sounded a little corny. Um, yeah. And <laughs> it does, but I love wordplay, so... Take it or leave it, that's the name of the series. Um, a side note before we begin, uh, but we did release a general sealed deck construction primer on our site, transformyourgame.net, just last week, that I think people listening will find helpful as kind of a base level guide for limited and sealed deck construction. Also, people out there listening might want to have uh, Computron's lab up. Uh, it's you know, no apostrophe in the web address because we will be mentioning specific cards by name during this discussion. But for the sake of flow, etc., we probably won't be describing what they actually do. Uh, Kent, would you like uh, to help us start delving into the meat and potatoes of today? Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of cool things about the way the cards are packaged in Titan Masters Attack. Um, the first thing to take note of is 
the characters and distribution of your pool. Now, that's gonna break down differently than other sets. Um, every rare and uncommon bot, it has a body mode, it will come with a head, all right? So I believe that, and please guys correct me if I'm wrong, but every rare and uncommon bot is is a Titan Master, is that correct? I think so, if you're counting Sky Shadow as a Titan Master. Okay, yeah. Which they do. Yeah. Okay. I think Sky Shadow's the only one that like, quote unquote, bucks the trend. Okay, so of. yeah, yeah, I guess he's not, and thanks for that uh, correction there. And the uh, common and SRTs that have a bot mode, those are non-Titan Masters. Those are just uh, the regular characters that we are used to dealing with. Um, so all your rares and uncommons besides Sky Shadow pieces will come with a head in the package. All Actually, the... uh, I believe the Sky Shadow pieces come with a head too. Oh, they come with a head too? That's yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I'll say. Yeah, we did, I we busted several boxes. I don't remember specifically, but I'm pretty sure that every time that we opened a Sky Shadow piece, he did come with a head. We, we have that on camera, so we can probably verify that later if we wanted to. <laughs> right. No, it does, it does. There's no need to verify it. I can, I've watched enough box openings to know that's that's the thing. Okay, okay, cool, cool. All right, so yeah, thanks to our co-host uh, that corrected me on this. So every uncommon, every rare bot comes with a head with it. Um, and then the, the common and SRTs come with a stratagem. Uh, if you pull Autobot World, you're probably gonna get a pop-up attack. Just kidding. <laughs> that is a reference to one of our <laughs> one of our videos. It's not funny if you explain it, Ken. <laughs> true, true. Um, so basically, half of the packs that you open will have bodies and heads, and the other half will have the normal bots that we're used to with stratagems. So if you're thinking, you're opening six packs, it's not going to absolutely be this way because the packs are randomized, but an average would be three Titan Masters with three heads, three non-Titan Masters with a stratagem. Would you guys say that that's correct or does the rarity kind of throw that off? No, that's that's been what I've kind of seen, generally speaking, like every like randomized six. I tried to keep that in mind when I was opening my boxes. I was trying to like open them in kind of packs of six and they typically fell within that range. Sometimes they would be like four or two in either direction, but. Cool, cool. Yeah, and the stratagems, most of them are not the best for sealed. Um, some, you know, maybe aren't even the best for constructed and some are really, really amazing um, in both, but they would require a very specific, you know, pool of cards to, to work with. Um, so stratagems generally are not in my uh, personal thinking of like, hey, I'm gonna build a deck. Like if I pull a stratagem, like let's say I pull crankcase and a stratagem, hey, that's cool to get both, but you know, for a tournament setting, like you're probably not gonna play crankcase's uh, stratagem. Even though I think it's a it's a cool ability, it's just not what you need in sealed right now. Yeah, I think another thing to keep in mind for that is that there's just like basically every one of the stratagems that says you can play extra star cards. The only star card in this set is Lucky Dodge. So 
unless you open Night Racer and Stealth Mission and two Lucky Dodges, <laughs> like it's not gonna. None of those are gonna matter. No. So that's something to keep in mind. Okay, so um, for team construction, uh, you're gonna. So when back in Wave Four, uh, we were pretty much spoiled because. Um, each pack came with two sets of bots, one large, one small, and it was much easier to make wider teams because of the uh, you were getting guaranteed six smaller bots. Where, whereas in this set, you you were getting all rather large bots, except for the some spare fives, sixes, and sevens. But um, even most of the Titan Masters outside of Fangry and Horrible are fairly large, and then the heads as well can range are range from one to four so they they it's not like constructed where you have like the freedom to choose and mold your your deck to whatever star cost you want because whatever heads you pull you have to play with those titan masters so um a lot of times you'll probably end up staying three wide um there have been rare scenarios that i've seen where you can do, do four wide doesn't help if you open for uh, improvised shield, but um, that's besides the point. Uh, <laughs> so you'll usually be three wide, and then there are some specific characters as well that you probably won't be able to fit on your team unless you open uh, like a one or two star head, and that's Megatron, Optimus, and Skull Smasher. So just be wary of those. It's also not particularly great to go too wide. So if you if those are the only if that's the only way you can play those characters, I would probably try and see if there's some other venture of being able to play uh, three wide before you go too wide. Because um, uh, there's not actually a lot of orange in this sealed uh, in the battle cards. It's more uh, there's more black in it in it mix like orange black black or in blue black or whatever mm -hmm. so it's you're you're being wider means that you'll be able to take advantage of the small pierce damage if it when it matters so just keep that stuff in mind a quick side note i did open one four wide team in one i told you i was like keeping track of like my packs of six when i was opening my boxes i, I was lucky enough to open a night racer as one of my srts and uh in that pack of six i opened a brawn and a night racer and then I also opened uh, 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 both Fangry. Um, oh my God, what's the other one? Fang I opened I opened Fangry and the uh, what's the other guy? The uh, six star, horrible. Why could I not think of it? <laughs> wow. Horrible. Yeah, like how did you miss that guy? I, I, it's the scourge of constructed. Maybe I'm repressing it. Maybe hey, I'm like. It's the scourge of constructed and sealing. Right. <laughs> That's true. It's really good and sealed too. But I opened both of them with a one and a two star head, and I think that adds up to right. I think that adds up to um, a seven plus eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say because I wanted to make sure that it actually added up to twenty five. Probably should have done that before I brought up the story. But they, <laughs> <laughs> they, I got to. I had like a four star team available or a four wide team available to me, and all the characters were pretty nuts. So like that was that was really cool, but that's kind of an outlier. I mean, Night Racer being one of the five stars in the set and being super rare is another thing that precludes uh, four wide teams from happening. So I also think it's going to be pretty hard to do three wide if you have like all Titan Masters, right? Mm -hmm. Just because they're they're kind of expensive. So if you do get a, all Titan Masters, you might end up having to take like a two tall team, which would kind of suck. Yeah. So going along with that. Uh... To follow up uh, about the about the Titan Masters, let's talk about the heads real quick. So, uh, like Kent was saying, you you will get um, as many heads 
as there are uh, body modes. So you'll always be able to link those up. You get one, if you only get one body, you'll just have the one head that came with it. If you open four bodies, you're gonna have four heads to choose from. So it, it'll give you a lot, of, uh, a lot of flexibility for being able to choose your team. So in general, probably the best heads for sealed are the, the ones that grant HP. Um, having more HP is, is obviously very strong. It, it's probably also true in constructed, but uh, it, it's going to give you. It's it's like it gives you more functional extra defense uh, because the this set is very, uh, as Kai was saying, focused around black. So the the pierce damage it, it just gives you more time to to last in battle. So yeah, it gives insulation from non-attack damage as well because there's a lot of that, uh, like camion crash. And it earns you more time to have uh, have that character in combat, which is probably the most important resource in limited. Mm -hmm. So, the uh, the next best heads after the, after the health heads are are most likely the offensive minded heads, like the ones that get bold or the ones that get pierce or uh, other attack buffs, like you know just more attack damage. Um, that that can help you to outpace your opponents. Um, cards like Apex and the heads that buff defense are statically probably the next best heads just because they they have measurable impact against your opponent's ability to, to, to push their own damage. So um, again, just giving you more more time to be in the fight. Um, cards like Doomshot and uh, heads that grant tough are, are definitely the worst. In this seal pool, uh, the mm -hmm. Pierce, Pierce happens, I mean, Pierce is just happening all over the place in this set and tough um, isn't going to do you a whole lot because the blue isn't going to, there's just, it just doesn't seem like there's uh, a lot of useful blue. So um, Doomshot would likely make your body the biggest bot on your team. And that character is, you know, taking a beating can be really rough on your ability to push damage over the time of the game. So tough is definitely worse than bold uh, because this format just is mostly not about blue pips, it's mostly about black and orange. And uh, and both of those pips are benefited by people playing bold, by people having more life total. So yeah, tough mm -hmm. just really isn't very useful. Um, and black pips kind of invalidate the blue pips over time in a limited game anyway. So anyway, speaking of pips, Richard, mm -hmm. do you want to introduce our listeners to the part of to the part that's uh, less of us noting things are important and more about uh, doing or usual discussion-y type of things. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's irregular for us on the cast for me to have anything longer than about two minutes where I'm not talking, um, with the exception of maybe one of Kent's uh, infamous rants about things like... Wait, about, when does uh, that happen? Anytime anyone brings up the B word. Yes, yes. <laughs> Tune in for next week when we talk about the H word. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, well, I think Lee, Lee coined it in the interview last week, uh, and I thought, it was, I thought it was pretty awesome when he did, actually. Um, but I, I think that, like, it's hard to really argue a lot of the points that uh, were made from you guys, right, about, like, the character uh, building for the, for the team construction portion of things. I think it's not that it's, like, more uh, formulaic or rote, but I think that generally speaking, like team construction has more overlapping between it from sealed format to sealed format. 
I think you're looking generally to do the same things unless they introduce like some wild new mechanic. And while I will say this, while Titan Masters are kind of like a wild new uh, frontier as far as mechanics go, I do think that they are less impactful to sealed than they are to constructed, mostly because like the heads are very unlikely to be relevant attackers in sealed, just because you can't like overload your deck with orange black pips or have a ton of weapons that really work. Like, you know, Fusion Bore is still good and it's in this Wave 5 format, but you're not going to have three of them in your deck, right? For your, your little dude to attack with. So I think that's, those are things to really consider in regard to that. Um, so, but I do think that like, the deck construction, the battle deck construction, is probably a little bit more contentious. It kind of varies more person to person. I think it has less of a consensus on it. You know, we put out that primer, I guess, typically, like, I put it out on, on the site, right? But, like, um, I think that even amongst this group, that isn't the gospel. It's just, like, a general guide. It's a, it's a guide that I think is helpful, particularly for people who are looking to get into Sealed, get more involved, and look for some kind of advice to help along the way. Um, but I wanted to start... Uh, this discussion part after my, uh, you know, getting all these words that built up out um, by asking you guys around the figurative table, uh, what do you typically focus on when you start going through your sealed pool, when you start cracking your packs? Well, for me, um, obviously the bots have to come first. Um, they are the, the stars of the game and where games will generally be won um, is your decisions with your bots. So I think that goes without saying, but besides that, I look at weapons first. Oh, it's a weapon and it like does even, you know, one attack buff uh, to, to your bot. Like that is important to me. Like any weapons I see, they're like auto includes for me. Yeah, so I generally uh, actually open them all at the same time. So bots and then battle card, bot battle cards. But as I'm opening the battle cards, I'll sort them by pips so that I have like some idea of how my battle deck is gonna look. Cause uh, you can have this fantastic lineup of like double horrible or something, and then you just open like no good black pips. So things like that will influence your decision. So I, I think it's easier just to see like, oh, I have double improvised shield and a lot of orange, so I can play. So when I'm looking at my bots, I can choose like the aggressive ones more likely over other characters. Side note, double horrible sounds like it would be insane. Uh, partially, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead, Joel. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I I agree with Kai. I I, uh, I also I also lay my cards all out by pip, not by action or uh, upgrade, but by pip. And I actually probably kind of work backwards because you get so few cards to to make your pool out of you don't really have a whole lot that you don't use so i actually sort of look through and go well this card's terrible i'm not using that and i'm not using that and i'm not using that and i'm not using that okay cool so now here's my deck and i only have to cut two or three cards because okay. these other cards are completely unplayable or something like that so uh i i feel like that makes my job easier and you know i i could be convinced to go back on those cards but when they're just you know not very good or something that's basically unplayable based on the the lineup that i have already devised hey i have this i have all these guys i have 25 stars oh look lucky dodge i i know i i want to make a meme out of lucky dodge but <laughs> lucky lucky dodge is a star card and unplayable if you've decided this is my 25 star lineup 
Yeah. Joel, do you ever give any consideration to cars that you got to go go over during our spoiler season countdown? Is that going to be any impact on your, <laughs> your uh, decisions? <laughs> maybe, but, uh, you know, Kent and I were having a discussion about this today. You know, we, when, when cards get revealed, I, I feel like sometimes I, I wet blanketed so many cards or so many, uh, so many bots and then afterwards this was revealed or this was revealed and this was revealed and I'm like, okay, fine, that card is actually really, really good in that case. Uh, not Whirl, but... <laughs> I actually think, okay, okay, in Sealed, Whirl seems nuts, actually. Actually, so, so in the Sealed pool that Kent, uh, Kent and I played, um, I had Whirl. And I decided to play him just because he was such a big ball of stats, and that really still wasn't enough. I mean, it was super. He was super unimpressive. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. That's the, not what the, I would have. The no defense is just. Ugh, man, it's it's rough. You just gotta open enhanced power cells. <laughs> yeah. Because that card is insane. Every time, every time someone has played it, um, I when I told you when I played my brother, I played webcam matches or sealed. Um, basically, like anytime someone has played enhanced power cell, they won that game, because like it was basically just like take an extra turn with that character. Mm. It was really, it was really, really good. Um, I've been really impressed with that card. I think that okay to answer the question though, instead of you know our usual ten minute tangent of things, um, I think I probably have the most similarity with Kent. Uh, I think I generally look through my characters first when it comes to breaking down sealed. I think part of that is actually the intention of Watsi. Um, I think that they package the battle cards separately so that when people are opening packs, they pay more attention to the characters first. Um, I could be reading into that. That's not like gospel or anything, right? But um, that is generally what I kind of like think about when that happens. So I try to organize basically like every combination of characters I could have that makes a playable team. I envision that before I kind of do what Kai was talking about. Well, like I lay out my cards by pip. I actually also separate them by action or upgrade, generally speaking. Um, so I have like two piles for each pip. But uh, that way, like once I see what my pool actually looks like, I can change between the different teams that I have like already tabulated in my head. Um, part of that is that I'm, I'm mostly familiar with cards by the time I'm playing sealed. Like because we do spoiler season, because like, you know, I compulsively look at spoilers when they start coming out. I pretty much know like, you know, the star counts and like what generally, where generally I think characters want to lean as far as sealed deck construction before we ever actually get there. So I think that helps me in regard to that. On the, on that note though, um, I think one of the things we were talking about, one of the things that was really interesting you brought up, Joel, was that there was a bunch of cards that you said like you wouldn't play, and that was kind of the way that you start eliminating cards from your battle deck, which I find super interesting because I literally the next question I had like in mind for asking you guys about this was the polar opposite. I wanted to talk about what kind of cards are typically auto-includes in your opinion. Uh, so for me, I generally, um, every time people ask about like sealed and like tips and whatnot, I always say just play all the orange cards. Like even if even if it's like a Mercy's New Barricade where you're realistically not putting it on a character, <laughs> you just want to flip the orange, man. It feels, it feels good when you swing for that extra damage and get the bot. But um, yeah, I, I generally just always play all orange. In this format, I probably wouldn't play hold down because there's like five tanks and most of them want to attack in bot mode or body mode. So that, that I probably wouldn't play hold down. 
but all the other oranges I'd probably easily consider, and uh, all weapons as well. Almost every weapon or something that gives plus one, I'd also heavily consider those. Yeah, for auto-includes, I, I would definitely say weapons, and other things that I think about for auto-include would be things that are considered constructed playable in general, like hmm. something, something that would go in any constructed deck, like Camion Crash, or Improvised Shield, or to the lesser degree, handheld blaster or something like that. <laughs> you just hate it so much. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't hate handheld blaster, but but, but in this do. in this format, uh, no, I don't. It gives bold one. <laughs> well, well put. Well put. Oh my god. <laughs> that was okay. Someone needs to clip that. That was the best. That's the funniest thing Joel's ever said on this podcast. <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah, I'm also going to include basically any weapon. And if if I do end up having to cut cards, I'm probably not going to be cutting ones that give attack bonuses, at least in the in Titan Master's attacks uh, seal, because there just really isn't a, there isn't a very good way to block. You just you really can't defend. Um, I was I I noticed when when we played. I mean, there's just not that much blue. And when you're when you're playing guys like Whirl that have zero defense already, it really just it doesn't matter. So anything that's gonna let you hit harder to end the game faster by by taking your opponent down. I mean, any, anything with with black pips, I was wanting to keep uh, in in my deck just so that I can have guaranteed damage because. Um, the pierce is virtually never going to outrun the the attack damage, so you're never going to you know pierce seven attack for five or something like that. That's just really not going to happen because uh, you're not attacking with anybody that attacks for zero. I don't I don't think there are any bots in this format that do that. So um, for me, it's it's all about like anything to to buff the attack. Like in when Joel and I played our sealed pools, like I had pulled brawn. And I had actually pulled, I think, another melee character. It's slipping my mind which one um, at the moment. But I also pulled two hand-to-hand -hand combat. Mm. And normally, that's not a card that I would probably play, um, especially since blue pips don't really matter a whole lot in uh, Titan Masters Attack Sealed. But in this case, it was phenomenal. Like mm. I can either you know take off uh, take out one of their weapons and like hit them for a plus three also like I that was great so anything that like buffs attack um, as far as actions you know um, once you're beyond the weapon point because that is something that becomes a static buff that is there every turn after. Uh, on on that note of everything that, anything that basically buffs attack, how have you guys felt about supporting fire? I love that card. That card's actually better than people realize mm -hmm. in Constructed. Um, oh, I, okay. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I expressed that I was like pretty interested in it when we were doing spoilers, but like, yeah, go play with that card. Like, oh, you need to hit Horrible? Well, go for it. You need to like hit Galaxy Optimus? Go for it. Um, you need to hit pounce. It that card is stronger than people think. There is a reason why there are no pips on that card. Yeah, I, th I think that card's been that's been card's been really really good for me. 
and really good against me in sealed when I, when I played. <laughs> when someone plays it, my heart just sinks a little bit because I'm like, no, my Megatron. <laughs> even though he's, even though I mean, he's. If you can play him with a one-star head, he's still good, right? Like in, in sealed as a ball of stats. Um, but like, I have also have just seen like it be game ending for the other for the opponent if you can pick your right spot with it, right? So like, um, I think Braun is actually Braun is like maybe the staplest character in the sealed format if you ask me. Just being five stars and having like guaranteed pierce basically is so powerful. I was I had one suited up the other day with the brass knuckles, and I gave supporting fire to him and swung and hit all five colors, um, and I just went like five pier like like five pierce five into the, an untapped guy which KO'd him, and it felt so good like it felt so good to just like absolutely destroy my opponent's next turn. Um, I think that card's really good. It is something that buffs attack. I think the reason I brought it up Kent was because it's a blank pip. I know that like blank pips, generally speaking, are like kind of hard to justify, including most of the time. But it's just so powerful. That card, that card is strong and sealed and constructed. Like, try it out. Just just throw a couple in your deck and see how it changes the dynamic of your matches. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the same way that like um, Razor Claw and SRTB from Wave One did. Um, but this is a lot different because you get to pick which character that you are attacking with. It gives that to whatever character you want. Um, and then you get to attack whatever character you want. That card is strong. Like, don't sleep on it. Well, uh, in regards to deck building, I wanted to ask you guys if you had any personal preferences that you've kind of like found amongst yourselves when you're building. Um, particularly when it comes like the last few flex slots in a deck, right? Like the last like three or four cards, maybe the quality is uh, <clears throat> wanting for many of those cards. Uh, but what things have you found that like work really well for you or have been just things that you feel drawn to doing in regards to building your sealed pools? Um, just flexibility, like cards that could be useful um, against a, a wide variety of matches. Like, say, Hollow Matter Projector. Everybody knows I love that card. Uh, but if you're playing against Quake, Camion Crash, Horrible, or whatever else that's trying to deal direct damage to you, it can help. And then it's also just a static, you know, plus one defense. Um, which can be helpful in a very aggressive format um, since there's just not a lot of blue pips uh, running around in this set. Then you add on the fact that it's a green pip and you can just pick it up. I mean, like, it's the it's the perfect image of a flexible card in those last few slots. Uh, so for me, I generally go with uh, what cards um, left in the pile that would offer some sort of utility like in m multiple fashions. So um, one of the cards I usually cut out pretty easily is like Regenerative Core or something like Scout Armor. But uh, I, if, if you're missing a few cards and you need to put like one or two cards in, I would probably consider stuff like that because at, Regenerative Core can at least give you a play for the turn and heal your guy one. Where, and Scout Armor can basically give you a play for the turn and draw you two cards when that character dies. So it's not like it's wholly unplayable, but it's like stuff that you wouldn't consider, but you have to because it's a limited pool. So with things like that, I just look for like utility and like multiple uses. 
Yeah, for me, like I said, I, I kind of build my deck backwards, I guess. I have too many cards in it and start cutting things. Because um, that, that's just always worked better for me. When I play, when I would do uh, limited for Magic, I, I I would always I would always do that. I mean, if I if I find that that I have that I need to put like three more cards in my deck, I'm just like I'm just like my my head's in my hands going, oh my goodness, my so bad. I can't even find enough cards before I want to cut before I want to cut things out. So if something has to be added in, that that means that there's really not anything playable. I mean, y'all are talking about something that's going to give me utility. I can't imagine that you feel that about any of your cards at that point. Anyway, so I'm just really looking for pips. Um, I'll look for green pips so that I can put useful cards that I don't that I don't want to play that I only had in for the pips in the first place, like, like an improvised shield or something like that. I don't want to play an improvised shield. I want to flip it. So I'm going to pick up that green card so I can at least throw the improvised shield back into my, into my deck. And for the most part, cards with a green pip at least have some sort of utility. Even if I didn't feel that it was particularly useful, they, they could surprise me at times, like Reprocess did during uh, Wave 4. So, yeah, I, I mean, at the very end of my deck, the, I, I don't think that you're going to have that many cards that you're excited to play out of your seal pool, like you, like you're, and you're having to cut cards at the end nearly as often as you're just sort of throwing some chaff in at the end because these pips work for you. Hmm. So, so green pips for that, or black if somehow I cut a black pip, which I doubt, or orange if I cut an orange pip, you know, because the card was just completely unplayable in my in my card pool. Like like if, you, if you're playing like all Autobots or something and you have some mag rays, and you're like, well, I can't play that. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I guess I'm going to put it in there just for the pips. I think that, Joel, I'm a little hurt because I think you kind of stole my answer a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'll forgive you. You know, I'm that kind of person. I'm bigger than that. But uh, I think that, like, generally speaking, near the end of, like, deck building, I do two things. One, I try to fit as many green pip cards as I possibly can into my deck that are not uh, completely unreasonable to include. Mostly because I just think that there is a lot of utility to making sure the composition of your deck is a certain way. Since I think that, I think we talked about this earlier, right? That like combat is generally speaking, the most important resource to manage when it comes to limited. So having good pips in your actual deck and not trapped in your hand is such an imperative that I'm basically trying to like jam green pips into my deck to help me ensure over the course of the game that my flips during combat are going to be as good as possible. Um, which, and on top of that, one of the other things that's like competing with that is I generally try to have as even a split of actions and upgrades as I possibly can in my deck. Now, there are a lot of pools where you just can't get to like 12, 13, or 13, 13 if you're trying to play 26, right? Like, so, but there are plenty of pools where, you know, when you lay it all out, your best, your best cards probably look like nine actions and then 16 upgrades, right? And like, I think that you're just, you're really hurting your ability to use all parts of your turn over the course of the game when you have a split like that. I typically try to have it be at the least 10-15 as a split. I normally try to get it 11-14 if I can. So that lets, in, in this format what that means is a lot of the time I am 
after I build my deck, cutting my worst upgrade, which is normally an armor because defense is in this <laughs> set mostly, right? And adding in a copy of High Five. Now, High Five is bad. There's like no real. <laughs> there's. I'm sorry. Like, it's funny. It's bad. It's, it's, it sucks because High Five is like a, it's fun, right? It's like a fun card. It's got interesting imagery on it, um, and it feels good to like have like friends on your team. But it doesn't have any utility once you're down to one character. It only has a green pip. What it does do is it makes sure that you can use an action on your turn, particularly because weapons and health-giving utilities are so premium to be playing and including in your deck that like, oftentimes you're going to find yourself with more upgrades and actions to do. So I think doing things like, like including a singleton copy of Mission Briefing, which is a common... Right, like, is a totally reasonable thing to do, just because it makes sure that you get to use both parts of your turn, right? Um, so that's, I think, like the things I generally try to do when it comes to like the flex slots, quote unquote, near the end of my deck building. I was noticing actually while you were talking about Pipstroll that I actually skipped over a question. Do you guys mind if I rewind and go back a question real quick? Go for it. Okay, so what considerations do you guys make specifically for pips once you're done with the auto-includes? Like, do you put emphasis on including black pips? Are you trying to maximize whites in your deck? Like, I feel like we, we've probably talked about this quite a bit already. I'm, I'm auto-including weapons, uh, but then on top of that, auto-including black and uh, black and orange. I, I, I guess I'll, I'll find a way to intentionally put a couple of whites in my in my pool if I can, just to give myself more of a chance to hit more black or orange pips when I'm flipping. Because like like I said, most of my deck is built around just the the uh, the attack combat flips. I'm not I, I'm thinking less about the actions and the upgrades. I mean, of course, I want to have uh, an even number of. <laughs> actions upgrades that's not always going to be possible because you just don't really have that kind of choice like you were just talking about mm -hmm. so um what you do get to do every single turn no matter what is attack <laughs> <laughs> you don't that you don't have a choice you can't go says oh, the aggro guy <laughs> do i don't really want to attack with this guy because i don't want him to get attacked back i mean you don't have a choice you have to attack so that that's why the 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 pip colors orange and black are just basically getting auto-included. It's pro I'm probably not going to have more than one or two of those sitting in my you know, quote-unquote sideboard. Mm -hmm. That's the second quotable thing you've said in this episode. What? <laughs> what you do get to do is attack. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, I'm just saying, like someone needs to write, we have, we can have this on recorded so we can go back and let's do whatever we want, right? But like, someone needs to write this down for t-shirt ideas. Huh. That's that's what I'm thinking. We just need to like keep a compilation of of, of stuff Joel says over the course of the podcast. You need Great. to take a snapshot of him opening Whirl on that box opening. <laughs> put that on a shirt. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. me and my I'm quarantine sorry. here and everything. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing so loud. I'm sure it's impossible to listen to. Um. Anyway, uh, I, I, I think that... Uh, do you guys have anything else to add on the PIP uh, bit, or do you think we kind of covered it already? I think we got it. I mean, like, everybody's going to want to play orange and try and push as much damage as possible, so... You guys think that... So, Handheld Blaster is probably the only blue card I really 
maybe not, not the only non-rare blue card I think maybe I'd auto-include. I don't know, that's probably too big of a statement, because now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I think that's a big statement. Like, I, think, I think you've got stuff like Scouting Mission, and that card's absolutely great. Uh, brass Knuckles, Energon, or Ender Oh, Mace. Brass Knuckles! I even uh, talked about Brass Knuckles earlier. Tripwire. I don't think about rares. You can't, you can't, you can't card that's why I would, That's why I went back on Energon Mace, but it's like, lock on target. Like, there's, there's a lot of actual good playable blues in the set. That's fair. I guess, I guess... And it doesn't hurt to have like a couple of blues, especially if any characters with like basically base two defense. Because once you're at like base two defense, if any blue you flip means that you're kind of just locking your opponent into the pierce, unless they have some kind of ungodly weapon on them like Fusion Bore. Um, uh, which, a bummer that that card falls off. Because if that card stayed on, it would be absolutely busted in half. Um, yeah. By design. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that no. that thing has to fall off. Or... <laughs> oh my God. I design. Well, just let me have this. Come no, on. Actually, you cannot sound... have that one. <laughs> sound, sound Blaster kind of gets to keep it. If Sound Blaster, like in, I think Constructed, not sealed. But Sound Blaster kind of gets to keep it forever. Which is sound Blaster is being slept on. That card is so much better now that Wave 5 has come into play. Yeah, that that's another one that people are just like, they're gonna sleep on and then like run into a sound blaster deck and get mauled. I can't wait because if I'm playing in sound blaster, that means I'm probably not playing in horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone someone tick the tick like the, the little clicker. What do you call those things that like actually count? You just push the button and they count. Is it a clicker? Probably, yeah. We need a clicker for how many times we say horrible or the B word. Extra padding, anyway. Or um, extra padding. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> throw them all in. Just throw them all, all in. Let's it. do it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Last question, and then we'll go to the viewer question. I promise. I know we've been, I've been dawdling us some bit. Um, anyway, uh, what do you guys do when considering cards to potentially bring in during best of three matches of Sealed? Like from the sideboard. I know you kind of briefly mentioned the sideboard earlier, Joel, but. I'm kind of talking about, like, what kind of cards do you think you might be bringing in in regard to that? So in regards to sealed, whatever you don't put into your deck becomes your side pool, uh, your sideboard. So um, if you have time, I it's a lot harder to do with this set, but try and find some something that you can do to, like, transmog, transmog your deck into something else. Because you can actually change up any number of characters in your lineup with any number of characters in your sideboard. So an uh, example of this... Um, I played against Jesse from a shuffle bus at EI, and I had Major Prowl, um, who was a Thundercrackers, and Blowpipe. It was it was, it was a really bad whooping uh, battle master, but uh, <laughs> I played him. I was playing him against General Megatron. Oh, and, uh, it was it's it's a really hard matchup, but um, I had Astro Train in my sideboard, so I was basically able to morph my deck into an Astro Train deck to basically. Like, two shot the general megatron and that kind of took him by surprise and almost won me uh both the other games outside of like his uh powertrain being able to wreck my face last get the last game but yeah things like that that your opponent wouldn't normally be expected of in a constructed match you can do pretty easily well i say easily but you it's much harder to do in titan masses but things like that you can do in a sealed is where you want to look for advantages for you could maybe do something like that with like heads too, but yeah. like maybe you change the head to be like clobber or something. Yes, that that probably be like the closest thing you could do. 
Yeah, I was going to say, if unless it's just a completely obvious, this is the absolute only way that you can build your team, then there, there's lots of options. You could definitely change your team um, to, to take advantage of what your opponent's team is or what, what kind of cards that are in their, in their battle deck. Um, as far as the battle deck is concerned, I usually don't even like any of the cards that I don't have in my battle deck already. If they were, if they had any sort of utility, then they would have already been in, in my battle deck in the first place, probably. I mean, maybe a card could get switched over, like say, Hollow Matter, Hollow Matter Projector or something, but I don't know why I would have that not in my deck in the first place because it's highly unlikely you're not going to run into somebody playing some sort of direct damage. They don't have to have Horrible or uh, Quake or something like that. They There's just so much direct damage in this set. You would run a card like that already. So It could be a second Hollow Matter. Like, I could totally see a world where you open multiple Hollow Matter projectors in your pool and you put one in your main deck because it's a green pitch. You can pick up whatever you want and you put one in your sideboard or I guess like you're not playing it, right? Um, and then like you play against someone who is playing a Quake or a Horrible or something like that. And so you really, really need to focus on mitigating non-attack damage. So bringing in the second one looks really good in that instance. Um, I think the only cards that like I've really wanted to bring in from my sideboard have been... Maybe I sometimes want to like up the number of Black Pips um, that are in my deck. Or I, sometimes I want to up the number of Black Pips that are in my deck. Um, and also, I brought in a regenerative core in one match just because I needed any kind of instance of healing I could possibly get. And regenerative core, like you mentioned earlier, Kai, did technically do that <laughs> for a little bit. Um, it was really good for me when I drew it and played it, but also, like, I don't know. It, it felt kind of bad to include anyway. So maybe, Joel, maybe you have a point. Maybe this set it's not as easy to do, but I felt like in Wave 4, Wave, wave 3, Wave 4, I did it a lot more. Um, maybe I'm just like wishful thinking. Maybe I have rose-tinted glasses looking back at it. But that's kind of my opinion. Cool. I have nothing to add to what y'all said. <laughs> I think y'all, like all three of you, covered everything um, that I was thinking about saying. Like, okay, Kai hit it first. I was like, well, all right, can't say that. And then Joel, <laughs> and then you. So, yep, that'll happen. It happens. Don't worry it about does. it. It does. Before, before we let people go, we do have a viewer question, which occasionally this takes forever, so who knows, right? Um, but we are really happy about this, actually. Um, I, I don't think we've gotten like the time at the end of the last couple of weeks, like the interviews, to really have any kind of address to a viewer question. So it's nice to be able to return to something like that, because I think it's pretty safe to say that this is one of our favorite parts of every week when we get to do this. Yeah, Generally, I love really this. Yeah. Um, so this week's question comes from Bindi the Monkey. I don't believe that's their for, their their real name, but um, they ask, uh, I'd like to know which character that looks weak, um, like on the outside or on paper, but can actually be decent in the right deck. And I think that the context is that this is in the Wave 5 metagame. So it doesn't have to be a Wave 5 character, but like somebody in the context of Wave 5. Uh, well, I think one that uh, looks really, really bad up front, but could eventually be good, would be Autobot Whirl. Um, he has a lot of attack, he has a lot of health, um, his, his ability to deal damage uh, by flipping a blue pip uh, seems nice. Um, I mean, he seems really weak because he has zero defense, so I'm going to go back on that, and he's terrible. 
Autobot Oral is horrible. <laughs> Actually, no, he's horrible. not horrible. Well, I'm sorry, he's not horrible. He's just terrible. Uh, I mean, for, for, for 12 stars, you can do much better. And if you want to throw a stratagem in there, boy, I would really rather play Battlefield Legend over Autobot World. And I don't think anybody's playing Battlefield Legend right now. Uh, so yeah, World is not really is not my real answer. Um, let's see, let's see, who would my real answer be? I, I I actually think that Wind Charger, yes, he's another SRT. Uh, looks like not that good, uh, just because the the stats aren't amazing. But it's since he's just a seven star character and or eight if you play a stratagem, he can really pack a wallop. And I think that the uh, the ability to draw a card is very very useful. It's obviously been used in cards before, but you don't have to be playing Cliff Jumper to be drawing a card with Windcharger. Okay. Um, let's see. I guess technically I'm next in order. I was looking today. Uh, I ordered a tracks in the mail of a TCG player, and it came in. Um, and so I think I even posted this question in our group chat about like, do you guys think that Trax could potentially be good? Um, just because I think that he's not that flip intensive and gets access to uh, non-combat damage. He's only nine stars for 13 health, which is really pretty solid. Like outside of maybe Topspin, I think it's probably the best we've got for nine stars. With the exception of if you count, um, what's his face, Fangry plus Grax, which would be nine stars, and he'd be uh, 16 health. Which would be absolutely insane, but that's that's not the point. Um, I think that's pretty solid. Um, he's got reasonable attack numbers, and he does kind of the thing that you really need to have happen in this wave, which is you have to have more than one viable attacker. And since in his bot mode, he's a five attack with uh, the ability to deal non-combat damage to somebody, then he by himself is going to be a relevant attacker. And when you flip him back, you have to have somebody that shares a trait with him in order for them to get plus two. But plus two is no joke to just get out of your flip like before you even play an action, right? If you have a weapon, plus you play an action that buffs attack, the next person that attacks is going to be swinging for like a serious amount. Um, and I think that that's not something that you can really ignore. I do think that it does mean your first couple of turns are going to be pretty flip intensive. But that's not the first time that that's happened with a lineup. I think the one thing that's really a detractor for him is the fact that he's an Autobot, which means he's susceptible to both uh, the combined trigger off of Sky Shadow and the double damage portion from Magray. Um, but outside of the like that kind of one issue with the direct damage thing, I think the tracks might have uh, more legs than people have been giving him credit for. Yeah, one card I want to really go back to that I haven't been able to play for a while, I just haven't spent any time with, uh, but is Soundwave Communications from the Blaster versus Soundwave. I mean, I think that, I don't know, I really like the idea of like just selecting a card from their hand and getting rid of it. Like you're playing against Sky Shadow Horrible or Sky Shadow Perceptor and it's like, oh, you don't need that piece of their tyranny or you're playing against Sky Shadow Horrible because that's like the only deck out there. And yeah, you don't need that Kamian Crash. You don't need the Fusion Borer, um, something like that. And I think that now that there's more ways to 
um, look at what card is on top of their deck, um, like with Skywarp um, from Wave 1 and Soundwave Communications, like it makes something like Paralyzo Box just nuts. You know, and that can make all your little guys that you're playing with Soundwave, and including Soundwave himself, because he only has four base attack, can make them actually really relevant, you know, and you add in Leap into Battle, or, you know, maybe you, you've got a Master Sword floating in there too, and you're using your handheld blasters and scoundrel blasters to, you know, feed the Master Sword. Um, in, it, in the various ways that it requires. I don't know. I'm not saying that it's, you know, busted or anything, but it is something that I want to revisit. Uh, so for me, I think Brainstorm is probably, like, the one that I'm, oddly enough, most interested in, mainly because of uh, he's, he's really busted and sealed. So if you pull him, try and play him if possible. But um, also just... His abilities with upgrades is very unique and interesting because he's field communicated when you flip to alt to play mode. And then when he's in body mode, um, he's kind of a cheaper uh, Galaxy Optimus, sort of. All you have to do is flip the upgrade, but you don't get to play. You get to add it to your hand. So I think if we get more powerful upgrades along the line of Master Sword and or Ghost Shield, I think Brainstorm could really pick up uh, use. But I think right now there's there are pretty decent cards that you could use with him, like Nitro Boosters is pretty powerful, or Master Sword and Ghost Shield. So I think he has some use, but right now I'm just not too sure where to go with him other than those points. Okay. All right, well, um, I'm actually intrigued by most of those. I was actually pretty sure, Joel, that you were gonna mention um, the Healing Optimus from this wave, but um, I'm kind of happy you didn't because I feel like we kind of talked that character, not to death, but we talked a lot about like the nuances of uh, that character and when they can be good or he can be good um, during our, our character post-mortem episode. Um, but on that note, that brings us to the close of episode 17 of the Transforming Game podcast. I just wanted to reiterate one more time how much we appreciate all of you out there in the ether listening to us. Whatever platform you're on, you can find our other episodes and future ones down the line on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. There most certainly will be links in the description to help you out on that front. And if you found the input and information here valuable, you can find more strategy, analysis, tournament reports, and more like it at transformagame.net. And we look forward to being back to speak to you all y'all next week. But until that time, clear eyes, flip bots, can't lose. <laughs>